Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi. Hello. Welcome to Old Millennials, a deep dive on shallow topics from the late 90s and 2000s. I am one of your hosts, Margot Poupard. And I'm your other host, Emily Beijing. Some say that pop culture died in 2009. Some of those same people would say that it's probably for the best since pop culture in the early 2000s, and quite frankly, since the beginning of time up until right now, has never been very nice to women. But as much as I appreciate and enjoy Dumois, I miss when celebrities were less accessible and involved in their own gossip. Back when the gossip felt like it had lower stakes and the word Stan was just in an Eminem song. A couple weeks ago, Emily and I got to talking about Julia Roberts and her, at least infamous to us, a Vera t-shirt. Oh my God. <laughs> and it got us reminiscing about a time when celebrities would communicate to the public that they had to pick a side in the romantic entanglements via a shirt or bedazzled trucker hat. That's not to say that everything was hunky-dory because it happened 15 to 20 years ago. Quite the contrary. The Ringer has a great episode out of their podcast right now talking about how the Us Weeklies, In Touches, and People magazines largely ignored Black pop culture, which is how we ended up with the unbeatable headline game of Bossip. But time plus perspective equals comedy, or at the very least, as our podcast is proof, nostalgia, even if it's a little bit misplaced. How much celebrity gossip have you read gotten into like over your lifetime and do you keep up with it now certainly not as much as i used to i definitely watch you know of course tune in to dumois stories every once in a while um but i think there was a point when i was in college where i was very in tune to who was dating who and i hate to say it was mm -hmm. because i followed perez hilton at the time but well, i can't deny it yeah i mean i think that that's kind of like a separate episode because we could go down the rabbit hole of celeb gossip sites, which we should maybe do next season because it'd be a nice compa com companion piece to this vintage, quote unquote, vintage 2000s gossip, which also if you put in 2000s gossip, you get that terrible Joshua Jackson oh, movie God. gossip. <laughs> so navigating, which again, a movie that I watched simply because he was in it and was like, this movie is bad. Like, I think this could, it was one of those like thrillers where the entire premise unravels if like one person has a conversation with the other person about it and is like it, even remotely direct. 
They're literally, I mean, it's like why I watched The Man in the Iron Mask with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh my God, another snooze. We rented that at a slumber party and like the air came out of the room so fast. You're like, "Uh, oh, oh. And then, you know, when everyone just kind of like drifts away and then you drift back in, you're like, oh, it's still going. Cool. And then you all, then you continue to walk away again. Go talk to like your friend's mom in the kitchen instead. I mean, yeah, talk about a disappointing movie. Indeed. Well, I I mean, I still read Oh No They Didn't kind of like religiously, but that kind of started because I remember distinctly because I would always get celeb like I would always get like an Us Weekly, always an Us Weekly, sometimes a people, but I get some sort of gossip magazine for a flight almost always oh, from sure. like middle school through I mean, up until like recently, because I just don't want to like touch too much stuff when I got on a plane. But that's a different topic. Anyway, oh so that's kind of that was like sort of where it started. And then um or, you know, going to Barnes and Nobles and like hanging out and reading a magazine for free, you know, one of the world's greatest pastimes, RIP. Yeah. Um, but it was a coworker when I was in college who was like obsessed with Perez and she's like, well, you like pop culture, like and introduced me to that site. And then after that, I would, you know, I use gateway drug is like a strong, you know, phrase, but like, that's how I got very into like celebrity gossip. But I think, oh no, they didn't for me now is like my Washington post because I feel like they cover a lot of stuff and do a, an objective-ish job. I mean, also, you know, they get cited a lot too whenever they yeah. want to talk about cel- celebrity gossip in the mainstream. And I don't think they get the credit. And I and I've definitely talked on this podcast about how oh, much we I did. love Oh No, They Didn't. But we talked about it in my journal. Yeah. Yeah. They're I, they're a formative source. No, truly. And I think that's where I ventured more into Oh No, They Didn't after Perez Hilton. Exactly. Yeah. I, I started in Oh No, They Didn't because I had a live journal in high school, but like Mm -hmm. I, uh, they are very regularly a great reputable source. Like they've broken quite a few stories over the years. Yeah. And they do. I mean, someone right now on, on there is covering the treacherous Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial, but they're doing it, you know, without like the gross, you know, bent of like how Amber Heard is a bad person or whatever, like very objectively. And I think it takes a lot of time and effort and I do not believe they are paid, which is what makes it even more impressive. But it was like just Jared was another big one. Mm-hmm. But the problem with just Jared even is that it, he's like a glorified like photo aggregate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was never like Perez was like too much and just Jared was like four babies and it was sort of uh oh no, it was like in the middle right there. But I would say yes, definitely uh, greatly influenced like knowing who's together and what's the what's the four one one. Well, it is telling or really something that this week, this is our topic considering the identities of Dumois have been revealed mm-hmm. in the last couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do love that, again, Old Millennials is out here uh, predicting what's going to be a trend for the week. I mean, we predicted <laughs> the iPhone demise. And then weeks later, Apple made the announcement. We are oh, iPods iPod. over here. Excuse me. The iPod. <laughs> iPod. We are oracles over here. I mean, I just think that we're tastemakers and cultural influencers. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> and we just know it's going on. Truly. So today we're going to, Emily and I both picked out two gossip tabloid stories that we remember very vividly, or at least we thought we did until we started doing research. But the kind of topics that we're going to be covering, you know, these like lifestyle magazines, like, okay, 
now RIP, Heat, also RIP. They all launched at the same time in 1999, but they've started to take a more celebrity-driven direction in at the start of the 2000s. And so I think that that's interesting to note that like, once you kind of dig into some of these stories, they're like kind of making a big deal out of nothing. Um, but obviously just to fill pages because there were so many of them. But they also really start to hone in on like romances of power couples and weight loss and weight gain, which we kind of like stay away from. But Bonnie Fuller, who is was the EIC behind Us Weekly's golden years and greatly influenced how traditional gossip works even today, had a very long lasting effect on the landscape. And especially people like Dumois, because you can kind of see the tone a little bit like replicated from traditional gossip magazines. So besides the stories that we're covering today, do you have any other tabloid headlines that like live in your head rent free, so to speak? I mean, obviously, Julie Roberts, not just and not just for that moment, but like throughout the 90s, there was just all sorts of stuff to Julia Roberts. Like she was going to get married to uh, Randy. Oh, my God. What's his name? Lyle Lovett. I was supposed to say Randy Lovett. Lyle Lovett. <laughs> and then like two days before the wedding, she runs off like with yeah. a, with a guy like she was the runaway bride before runaway bride. <laughs> and I mean, just throughout the 90s, like I feel like. um that was just Julia Roberts was quite interesting because I think like once she does get married to Danny Motor and has her her kids, like she really stays away from that. Um, and then I think also just, you know, the friendship between uh, Gwyneth and uh, Winona Ryder, obviously, mm-hmm. which we've talked about on this podcast. How about you? Um Personally, it's the Desperate Housewives Vanity Fair cover shoot (gasps) because I remember I think it was like one of the first like behind the scenes drama that Mm -hmm. I followed in I wouldn't say real time, but like kept getting updates on. And I just really loved it because I I also enjoyed watching that show, at least the first season with my mom. Oh, for sure. Same. Finding out that they all got into this fight and then SNL made like a sketch about it and everything. I, I think about it a lot, especially when I see you know, more than one person sharing a cover, I'm like, how did that go? <laughs> that's that's my first thought. <laughs> well, before we get into our gossip topics, I have a quiz for you. Ooh. So, I mean, you know, I had to do the best I could to find old tabloid headlines just to get my memory jogging of like, oh, what happened in the early 2000s? So I, I just kind of came across some like fun little cover story nuggets that um, I just want to see if you could like guess who the person is that I'm talking about. So I'm just going to like, I have a couple here. Uh, I'm just going to read you the question. You just have to make your best guess. Okay. Okay. Who said this about Misha Barton after their Memorial Day party? Quote, she's good. She just mixed antibiotics and alcohol and got sick. End quote. Paris Hilton? Close. Nicole Richie. Oh. (laughs) Okay. Who allegedly had a quote-unquote bizarre new fling with Ashley Olsen? Lenny Kravitz? Lance Armstrong? (laughs) Oh. Oh. Okay, this is a Bachelor one. Vintage Bachelor headline here here for you. Who was furious over Jeff with one F's tell-all? Oh, man. I don't know. Who? Emily Maynard. Oh, oh my God. Because yes, Emily. Ari season. Yeah. yeah. She, she ended up, she picked Jeff with one F Jeff. I forgot about mm-hmm. that. Okay. Uh, this one's 
This one's a lot. Who won the Us Weekly poll from 2007 about who would be the next quote-unquote bad girl to follow in her sister's footsteps? Hania Barton. Remember her? Oh, my God. (laughs) Sophia Ritchie, who is literally eight years old in the photo that they use. Oh, God. Aliana Lohan, Jamie Lynn, or Nikki Hilton? Who oh, won I'm going to say Aliana Lohan for sure. You are correct. Yeah. Ding, ding. Yeah. Okay. And last question. Us Weekly called the Cirque Lodge in Utah, a celebrity rehab de- detox center, a quote-unquote hotspot in 2008 with names <laughs> like Kristen, Eve, Kristen Dunst, our good friend Kristen, Kristen Dunst, <laughs> Eva Mendez, Mary-Kate Olsen, David Hasselhoff, and even Lindsay Lohan had all stayed there. How much does it cost or did it cost to enter yourself into the Cirque Lodge? This is not adjusted for inflation, FYI. Okay. Was this like a $15,000 a day affair? I mean, I can't tell you that. You have to guess like what what is your fine? What, how, let's say 30 days. How long do you think it would stay? How long do you think it would cost you to stay for 30 days? Um, I'm going to say half a million dollars, $500,000. A little too high, $77,000, but maybe it's oh. that now, you know, oh. again, not adjusted, not adjusted for inflation. No, Emily, that's fair. I know what's happening here. <laughs> <laughs> not in this pod closet. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my quiz. I mean, you got, you got like one and a half, right? Cause you said Paris Hilton for the first, but I mean, I didn't expect you to know any of these. These were just sort of like funny things that I, or, you know, not, I mean, they're kind of funny. They were just sort of like weird little anecdotes. Like what a time in life when us weekly called a rehab, a hotspot, like that's <laughs> fucking crazy. <laughs> All right. So for today, I'm going to be talking about Winona shoplifting at Saks and the forming of Brangelina. And Emily, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the Bush twins and their college days. And I'm also talking about the Stavros Niarchos uh, saga and all the people who are tangentially involved. So what year like I have mine separated by years for some reason. Do you do you have the the dates on yours? Yeah. I mean Bush Twins is gonna be early two thousands, like two thousand, two thousand one era, and then um uh, Stavros and Co. will be like, you know, 2004, 5 to 2007 ish. Okay. Well, let's go with the Bush twins first, then we'll do Winona, and then um, you can do, well, Brad and Angie are 2004, 5 ish. I can just do those two back to back, and then you can close this out with the Greek shipping air. Yeah. Sounds great. great. All right. Well, with the Bush twins, obviously tabloid figures in the early 2000s were mostly in New York or Hollywood. It was very rare, apart from the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal, to have a lot of tabloid father around happenings in D.C. or D.C.-adjacent people. That changed when the Bush family came to town and their teenage daughters began attending college. I preface this with this research actually gave me a lot more sympathy for the Bush twins, which I'll get into later, but first and foremost, a little background. Uh, Jenna and Barbara Bush, the Bush twins, were both born on November 25th, 1981 in Dallas, Texas. Their parents are George W. Bush, the former president of the United States, and former First Lady Laura Bush. So it should be noted prior to Bush becoming the governor of Texas, and um, so it should be noted that prior to Bush becoming the governor of Texas and later president of the U.S., he was 
definitely not the son the Bush family had planned to continue the political dynasty. <laughs> he had an alcohol and drug problem, which resulted in get him getting a DUI in 1976. And he eventually gave up drinking a decade later and would go on to run uh, successfully as governor of Texas in 1994 and later president of the U.S. in 2000. His wife, Laura Bush, ran a stop sign and struck a car in 1963 when she was 17 years old. The car's driver, her friend and classmate, Michael Dutton Douglas, was killed. She was not charged in the incident, but the accident offended her for many years. Uh, the topic of this accident was off limits for many years. And because of the Bush's connections in Texas, they were able to keep a lot of records sealed around the accident. And the details were only released from the Midland police records in 2000 when lawyers for the tabloid The Globe successfully appealed to the Texas attorney general. I share these backgrounds not to disparage, uh, disparage, sorry, I share these backgrounds not to disparage <laughs> the Bush twins, but to just kind of set the stage for why these stories around the sisters were big tabloid headlines. I think these would have been big stories regardless of which president was in office at the time, but they were even more notorious given their parents' backgrounds. So while their father campaigned to become president in the fall of 2000, Jenna and Barbara went off to college. Barbara attended Yale. Jenna attended UT Austin while taking summer classes at NYU. Jenna went to UT because she wanted to stay close to Austin, where she had grown up uh, for most of her adolescence. And then Jenna and Barbara wanted to go to Yale because she was more adventurous, but also her family. There was a legacy there. Um, but she's actually very, very smart. And she has a master's in public health from Harvard. So she is no uh, Kushner when it comes to getting into an Ivy League. Um, while When their dad was elected, though, uh, their lives as college freshmen changed. They now had to have a Secret Service detail with them at school, which I cannot fathom having to deal with. And on top of that, they basically dealt with their father's views and actions dictating people's perceptions of who they were. Um, Barbara's talked about how at Yale, a TA basically told her she could get an A in the class if her dad uh, decided not to go to Iraq for war, uh, which is crazy to kind of put on a 19-year-old. That's um, a lot of pressure. And I don't – unfortunately, I do not believe she has that kind of sway with her father. Unfortunately not. Uh, she is not Dick Cheney. Um, <laughs> the tabloid stories really begin in April 2001, uh, which is the, end, the second semester of their freshman year, when Jenna was cited for being in possession of alcohol as a minor while at a bar on 6th Street in Austin, a.k.a. the Dirty Six. She was fined $51.25 and sentenced to eight hours of community service and six hours of alcohol awareness classes. A month later, in May 2001, the sisters were eating together with another friend at a restaurant and Jenna tried to order alcohol using a fake ID. And the, on the ID, the name was Barbara Pierce, her paternal grandmother's maiden name. She used it to try to purchase alcohol, which prompted the manager to call the cops. Uh, Jenna was lamenting that the officer, when the police, you know, started to arrest them, uh, that she had no idea what it was like to just act like a regular college student. And apparently the cops were surprised that they were called in by the manager to handle the situation, since usually when this kind of thing happens at a bar or a restaurant, they're just like, yeah, we'll take that ID. Thank you very much. Now get the hell out of here. Yeah, um, that's I don't I've had several fake IDs taken away and no one <laughs> ever called the cops and it's 100% not because of uh uh my my parents influence so that's truly wild that yes. anybody would care that much yeah they just like chop it up in front of you or take it or whatever like that's that's extreme um and then Jenna would end up getting cited for misrepresentation of age by minor and Barbara was Ugh. charged for possession of alcohol as a minor because she wasn't carted at the restaurant, but she was able to order a margarita and she had been drinking it at that point. That's um, on the restaurant. That's not yeah, on her. That's totally. bullshit. 
Totally. And this is why this is this is one of our this this particular story I covered. I started thinking, oh, this would be a much more notorious story than I thought. I'll but because of the prior incident in April, Jenna's driver's license is suspended for a month. She's fined six hundred dollars sent, sentenced to thirty six hours of community service and put on deferred adjudicated uh, probation essentially for three months. Um during this time, obviously, there was a lot of pressure for the White House and for the Bush family to make a lot of comments or statements regarding what was happening to the Bush twins. Um, Barbara Bush, their grandmother, um, said, I've learned a long time, long time ago that until you talk to the child or if you weren't there, it's pretty hard to believe anything you read or hear. And then Ari Fleischer, then press secretary, would go on to say, I think the American people agree with the president that it is his purview, even as president of the U.S., to have a private moments with his family. That includes his two 19-year-old daughters. And like any parent raising a child, they expect to write to talk privately with their children no matter what position they hold in life. Ultimately, that time in their lives, because that's really where it ends. I mean, there was, you know, a little bit about a party here and there, but ultimately this is kind of where it ends. And I was surprised because I remember it being a whole lot more notorious. Um, it didn't really seem to impact them, though, in the long run. Like, they both graduated from college. Jenna Bush Hager now hosts the fourth hour of the Today Show with Hoda Kotb. <laughs> Barbara went on to co-found the Global Health Corps, which is a public health nonprofit. Um, really, I think this just chalks back to people not liking their parents, which is fair. Like, their dad made a lot of horrible decisions in office. But it sparked – it was a part of – a time when we sparked a lot of debate as to what should be and shouldn't be scrutinized by the press when it comes to the children of elected officials. This mm-hmm. certainly came up when the Obama daughters were living in the White House and after that, once they started going to college. And I would say, you know, Chelsea Clinton, especially as well, as she was dealing with her parent or her dad's very public affair. Um, but the Bush twins ultimately seemed to have a really good sense of humor about it. Like Jenna Bush said in a book that they released together a few years ago in regards to being on the cover of People at the time, she said, quote, I personally preferred the cover of the New York Post, which used a much better photo. Thank you very much. And then also said that her nickname in the press at the time was Jenna and Tonic, which she thought was very funny. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, uh, their privilege entitled them to much smaller slaps on the wrist than what would have happened to maybe other people in that position. Uh, but looking back on all of this, it seems like it came from a place of wanting to live their normal lives like teenagers. I was written up for getting drunk in college when I was 18. It was in the dorm, so I wasn't arrested. And I have several friends who got DUIs, had you know public intoxication, what have you, in the early 20s. All that is to say, while I don't condone uh, you know certain antics, I also think that Life is, you know, that's life and people do this on a regular basis and it just happened to be that they were two famous people being caught. And that's really all I have to say. Well, I mean, wasn't that sort of the refrain about how people started to frame like Lindsay Lohan in retrospect of like a lot of people go through this quote unquote phase or whatever. It's just typically it happens in college and it's not publicized and nobody really ever hears about it. You know what I mean? But everybody kind of has a several months streak of wild nights <laughs> that um, didn't result in, you know, worldwide scrutiny. Maybe Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just scrutiny of like your own peers, which is, you know, what you need to grow up a little bit and yes. kind of grow out of it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I totally I, I agree. They were, you know, this kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier in the intro about how especially at this point in time, like media scrutiny on young women in particular was especially harsh. And I think it was completely an- amplified by, like you were saying, everybody hating her fucking dad. And so they just want something to dump on. I mean, rightfully so. Right. But like they don't they don't work at the White House. It's not, you know, they shouldn't be held accountable for his his actions. Yep. Well, now we're going to talk about Winona Ryder, who on December 12th in 2001, was arrested at Saks Fifth Avenue on Wilshire Boulevard for stealing over $5,000 worth of clothes, hair accessories, and one handbag. <laughs> I always love the, like, a handbag detail. <laughs> it's a partridge in a pear tree. Exactly. Whatever Saks Fifth Avenue's <laughs> version of that is. They're coming up the advent calendar later this year. <laughs> I'm sure they have a very expensive one. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> She signed two civil demands in the security offices of the store before she was arrested by Beverly Hills cops, binding her to pay for the stolen and surrendered merchandise as permitted under the California statute of civil. It's all part of uh, a California code about shoplifting. They tried to charge her with illegal possession of antidepressants, but I think that would later get dropped. She was charged for felony grand theft and oh, per- Possession of pharmaceutical drugs without a prescription by P- BHPD that said of her behavior that she was, quote, very courteous, polite, friendly, and a true lady. She was in custody for four hours before she pay- posted bail, and the incident unfolded at around 7 p.m. on a Wednesday when store video surveillance caught her stuffing, quote, numerous items of clothing into a large bag that she had brought into the store. She was also seen on tape using a pair of scissors to remove security tags from the stolen merchandise. And then she just kind of casually walked out of the store and then was detained on the sidewalk in front of Saks. The L.A. district attorney assembled a team and filed four felony charges against her. And she, in turn, hired I, I, I bet this name will throw you into a tailspin. She hired celebrity defense lawyer Mark Garagos. Remember oh. him? <laughs> <laughs> But unfortunately, negotiations failed to produce a plea bargain by the end of summer 2002. Garrigus called the incident, quote, a misunderstanding and predicted that the actress would be cleared of all charges. Quote, she has receipts for a number of items, he said. He blamed the incident on a rush of judgment by the Saks security staff, which I always thought was really funny. I'm like, what are they judging her on? (laughs) Like, dude, give me a break. She's a famous white actress. Like, that's not that was not a rush of judgment. But okay, cool. Yes. And the story captivated everyone's attention because why would a famous, presumably rich, it was listed at the time that she owned a $3 million house in Beverly Hills, young actress Steele? Well, later it would come to light that she had been in a bad depressive episode and on incorrect meds prescribed by a doctor who'd later get his license revoked. So, you know, 
grain of salt and all that. But also, you know, I don't know if you've seen Breaking Bad, but a lot of this also feels a little bit like Marie from Breaking oh, Bad. Right. Like some people, you know, when you have it all, where else do you go? Where else do you get your thrills? You steal a tiara, obviously. Mm-hmm. They're rocks. No, they're <laughs> minerals, Marie. But during her trial, the old, quote-unquote, method-acting chestnut came trotting out. One of the store's security guards testified that she had told him the shoplifting was part of a role. Quote, she said, I'm sorry for what I did. My director directed me to shoplift for a role I was preparing for, Kenneth Evans <laughs> testified. But it was never made clear what role it was for. Her lawyer painted a different picture of her detention at the store. He said the response from security staffers, he said her response to security was, quote, you have my credit card. You can do what you want with it. Garagos also said that Winona had already purchased $3,700 worth of merchandise at Saks and had told the and had told the clerk to keep the tab running. Moreover, security guards mistreated and quote unquote threatened Winona for 90 minutes. Quote, one of the guys lifted up her shirt and she's not wearing a bra and she screamed at them to stop, Garagos said, according to Reuters, which I remember that detail coming out in trial. And I was like, oh, that's disturbing. And also, that would kind of make sense if she's, like, trying stuff on. You know, you just put your top on, pop out, steal your stuff, walk out. Not a big deal, guys. <laughs> they showed the infamous security footage that Garagos promised would not show Winona snipping off price tags or doing anything except, quote, surprise, shopping. <laughs> Such a fucking, like, lawyery thing to say, like... <laughs> but, the des- but the deputy district attorney, Ann Rundle, acknowledged that Winona did pay for four items that day, but she lifted 20 more. She had her, quote unquote, two for one bonus program. For every item she purchased, she would help herself to another. Quoted, Reuters quoted Rundell as saying, quote, for every item Ms. Ryder purchased, she helped herself to a couple little extras. Actually, it was five extras. Winona pleaded not guilty, and in December of 2002, she was sentenced to three years of probation, 480 hours of community service, $3,700 in fines, and $6,300 in restitutions to Saks, which, like, okay, Saks does not need restitution. Like, let's all fucking calm down. She was ordered to then also attend psychological and drug counseling. And on June 18th of 2004, a Superior Court judge reviewed her probation report and observed that she had served all of her hours of community service and the felonies were reduced to misdemeanors. She remained on probation until December of 2005. After the shoplifting incident, she would take a acting hiatus until 2006 with the exception of a few minor roles like a stint on Friends, a cameo in Zoolander. And then she would take on more significant roles in two not great movies, the Darwin Awards and A Scanner Darkly, both of which I've seen. (laughs) She would finally address the Saxfield Avenue of it all in an interview for Interview Magazine when she was promoting The Iceman in 2015. And if anybody has a beat on a vintage free Winona shirt, my DMs are open. Ugh, what I'd do for one of those. Yeah, I just felt like, okay, she stole... Big deal, whatever. Like, it's sacks. I'm not going to boohoo over some sacks, Fifth Avenue getting lifted. Like, I just felt like it turned into such a spectacle and became such an examination of, like, well, she was in Girl Interrupted and, like, she's had a mental, she's had mental episodes before. Like, what what's going on with her? And, like, even though there was something going on with her, like, I don't believe, um, uh, nonstop attention on her problems is the key to solving it and then sort of be and then her kind of like I wouldn't say being blackballed because she did eventually act again I think it was maybe it seemed kind of mutual to not want to be in the spotlight that much after not only growing up in it all the time but then also dealing with this but 
I I remember that there was like a huge gap of time. I mean, even between her quote unquote comeback in 2006 until, you know, how people know her now from like Stranger Things. So I just find it all to be very interesting. I don't really even know if people remember this that are not our age and older. Probably not. It's such a specific point in time. Mm hmm. Well, another very specific point in time is Brangelina. So Brad and Jen, I'm going to start with Brad and Jen because I feel like we need to establish how beloved they were and how they were one of the most popular tabloid cover power couples for a very... I mean, being reminded that their marriage was only five years feels kind of funny because it seemed like they were together for so much longer the way that they were constantly covered. But we need to start there to understand the shift that happens when we get to the dreaded Brangelina. So Brad and Jen met through their manager in 1994, but wouldn't start dating until 1998 when Brad and Gwen broke up and Jen and Tate Donovan, (laughs) remember him? The dad also ended things. Yeah, a lot of like, remember him? Like that's like, that's a common theme through all of my research today. I mean, he had like a five episode arc on Friends where I think that he was like a client of hers and then they, they ended up dating on the show. So I guess life imitated art. The friend's curse. Anyway, Brad and Jen made their romance official on the 1999 Emmy red carpet and people lost their shit. They instantly became a super couple and they dubbed them Bradifer or something like that. I couldn't get confirmation, but they had an annoying name like that. They got married in July of 2000 and quickly became the biggest celeb wedding of that year. In 2004, when Jen was going around saying that she was ready to slow down now that friends had ended and start her family with Brad, he was making Mr. and Mrs. Smith. As early as May of 2004, there are cheating rumors about Brad and Angelina Jolie. A year after the movie came out, Angelina gave some very candid comments to Vogue on how their romance began between her and Brad. Quote, because of the film, we ended up being brought together to do all these crazy things. And I think we found this strange friendship and partnership that kind of just suddenly happened. I think a few months in, I realized, God, I can't wait to get to work. Anything we had to do with each other, we just found a lot of joy in it together and a lot of real teamwork. And we just kind of became a pair. It took until really the end of the shoot for us to, I think, realize that it might mean something more earlier allowed ourselves to believe and both knowing that the reality that this was a big thing something that was going to take a lot of serious consideration as rumors reached a fever pitch within us weekly cover of brad and angie not doing anything sus per se but the vibes were definitely there like they're like on some back patio and there's like a lot of trees around Mm -hmm. i just remember it looking really sketchy so Brad and Jen split by January of 2005 after five years of ma- after five years of marriage and Jen files official paperwork with irreconcilable differences and all by March. And it's finally truly over by October. Around this time, you'll see Paris and Nicole exit kits in RIP in Team Jen shirts. For me, this is the beginning <laughs> of the picking teams in breakups. Also around the time when everyone decided to just pity Jennifer Aniston, despite her astronomical wealth, great hair, and perfect skin. She's still a spinster. Stars, they are just like us. Then it came the twin insults of the Us Weekly cover of Brad and Angelina and Maddox in Kenya, I believe, on a quote-unquote secret love trip, and the infamous, iconic, and very foreboding cover of W Magazine, where they have one million kids in a 60s Stepford wife-type situation where Angie looks bored and lonely and hot, and Brad is her shitty, hunky husband. 
Do you remember that the domestic bliss spread in W? Oh like yes. people had that like on their binders. Like they I... were so into it. And some of them were like really kind of there's a shot where she's like laying on the carpet, like presumably like passed out drunk in a gorgeous dress, and he's like picking her up and taking her to bed. And I mean, I just feel like people brought these back up when they got divorced, being like, who would have thought that like this is probably how their marriage ended? Oh, but God. looking back at it now, especially some of the shots of like the two of them with like so much distance between them, you're like, hmm. They are gorgeous photos, though. I, I have oh, to they say. are. I remember, though, I think they were those were followed by the Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes photos with Surrey Cruise, like not you know, a few years later, it was very similar types of spreads. Like, look at us, look how happy we are. And then, you know, that didn't work out. Cursed, cursed year. (laughs) This would eventually spur the notion, though, that Jennifer Aniston is some old crone who had her man stolen by this temptress who likes to drink blood. Not to mention the myriad of tabloid covers claiming that Jen has been pregnant 50 or so times by now by Brad Pitt. The real insult and a story that not only happened to me, but lots of women I know, barely a year after Brad and Jen split up, he's already having a baby with Angie, and then they will quickly adopt Max, have twins, adopt a few more kids before they get married, and then have an extremely contentious divorce that is still ongoing. Should we talk about the SAG Awards photo, though, of Brad and Jen? Because that shit was almost as viral as their divorce. Like, are people still shipping them getting back together? Ladies, never get with back together with a man who embarrasses you publicly. But, like, people went nuts for that photo we we definitely talked about it during our old celeb couples episode a couple seasons Mm -hmm. back that was around the time it was published and we were both just like honestly as long as they're happy and civil with one another that's cool like i think they were even like in a zoom hangout during the pandemic like for some charity event or whatever and they like very friendly were like you know what's up Pitt? i don't know how you doing aniston like very like clearly there is like admiration for each other it sounds like with or without Angelina in the picture, things were not great. So I wouldn't put it all on this one thing happening. Yeah, I, I, they're coworkers. They're respectful former coworkers. You know what I mean? <laughs> like calling each other by their last name has a real like former sports team vibe. And I respect that. That's the best he could possibly hope for after the way that he acted. Completely. You're up with your love triangle. Well, you know what, Margot? You live and you learn, and along the way, you may date a Greek shipping heir. Before we get into Stavros Niarchos, we should talk a little bit about the OG Arionassis, who married Athena Mary Tina Livanos, and they divorced in June of 1960 as a result of Onassis being in a very public love triangle where he was having an affair with the opera singer Maria Callas while both of them were married. And then this carried on for another decade and became another love triangle when Arionassis began dating his friend Jackie Kennedy. They married in 1968 and stayed married until his death in 1975, and Jackie became Jackie O. Meanwhile, Onassis's first wife, Tina Livanos, would go on to marry a few other men. She married John Spencer Churchill, Marquess of Blandford, in 1961 and divorced in 1971. And obviously, the names Spencer and Churchill ring a bell because that is because... Spencer Churchill was a distant relative of both Princess Diana and Winston Churchill. In a weird kind of grief bang twist, she would go on to marry Stavros Niarko Sr. later that year in October, the grandfather of our first gossip story subject. 
And the reason I bring up the grief bang twist is because Stavros Niarko Sr. was her sister's Eugenia's widower. She had died of a barbiturate overdose in 1971, and sadly, Tina would die in 1974, also of a drug overdose. Anyway, back to Stavros Niarko Sr. He had five children. One of those included Philip Niarkos, who married Victoria Guinness of the Anglo-Irish family, the Guinnesses, although she's from the banking side, not the beer side. And she had four children, or they had four children, including Stavros II, born in 1985, who, from April 2005 to October 2005, would marry Mary Kate, or would date Mary Kate Olson. So Mary Kate, at this point, had a few celebrity spawn relationships under her belt. She briefly dated Max Winkler, Henry Winkler's son in 2002, and later dated David Katzenberg, son of Jeffrey Katzenberg, starring in 2003 before breaking up in August of 2004 when she and her sister Ashley went off to NYU. Later in 2004, MK is linked to Genetic Denim co-founder and designer Ali Fortureshi, while Ashley is linked to his business partner. But in 2005, Mary Kate meets Stavros in New York. Stavros Niarchos would eventually leave Mary-Kate for Paris Hilton in late 2005, which was one of the reasons MK took a leave of absence from NYU on top of also feeling like her life at NYU was constantly being recorded by her classmates and being sold to gossip rags. In an interview with W Magazine in 2006, she said in regards to their split, quote, I miss him and love him and I don't speak with him anymore. It's a hurtful and painful subject. I've pretty much been with someone my whole life, so this is a hard time for me. And she basically fessed up to the fact that like she and Paris weren't speaking because Mary Kate had considered Paris to be a friend and in fact introduced Stavros Niarchos to Paris. Oh, great. (laughs) Prior to Stavros, Paris was no stranger to dating Greek shipping heirs. She dated Paris Latsis from December 2004 to November 2005, during which they got engaged. And I had totally (laughs) forgotten about Paris and Paris. That almost became one question on the quiz. It was like, which of Paris Hilton's <laughs> former fiancés do you think she's, quote, most obsessed with? And it was Paris <laughs> Lassus. Were they like, he was wearing a shirt with her face on it or vice versa? I can't yes. remember, but I totally forgot about that man as I, well. He total, like a blip on the Greek shipping era radar. Um They ultimately ended things because Paris realized she was too young to get married. And Paris would go on to date Stavros on and off from December 2005 to March 2007. One of those off-again periods happened in May of 2006, where Lindsay Lohan and Stavros Niarkos were spotted together at a club. A few days later, Paris and Brandon Davis were spotted by the paparazzi, and that's when that sweaty-ass cokehead called (laughs) Lindsay Lohan a firecrotch and basically poor for being worth only $7 million, and Paris started laughing. Days later, Brandon was spotted wearing a teen fire crotch shirt because, of course, Kitson decided to make a little money off of this. Oh, God. Davis would eventually issue an apology, but during that time, the paparazzi caught Paris Hilton listening to an angry voicemail Lindsay left her and then laughing about it. What gets even weirder about the initial feud between Mary-Kate and Paris Hilton is that eventually Nikki Hilton dates David Katzenberg, her previous serious ex before Stavros. Mary-Kate in 2006 would go on to date Max Snow until 2007. He, by the way, is an oil heir and the nephew of Uma Thurman. And the next notable person Paris dated was Benji Madden in 2007, twin brother of Joel Madden, Nicole Richie's then boyfriend, now husband, who had famously dated Hillary Duff beforehand. And as we all know, Hillary and Lindsay Lohan were once in a weird love triangle with Aaron Carter, whose older brother Nick dated Paris. 
prior to her dating Paris and Stavros. Are so, there not more men around to date? <laughs> truly, um, I was kind of like a small high school at the time. Yeah, um, it really feels like a nine-person <laughs> high school. <laughs> So where are they now? Uh, we all know what happened to Mary Kate Ash, uh, Mary Kate Olson, Lindsay Loan, and Paris Hilton, as we've talked about the ad nauseum on this podcast. But Stavros would go on to marry Russian heiress and business mogul Dasha Zhukova in 2019. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot we texted about this. <laughs> yes. The invite-only wedding was attended by Kate Hudson, Sarah Foster, another famous person from famous bunch of families with a lot of interesting marriages, and Carly Kloss, among others. Uh, Dasha was previously married to Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich from 2008 to 2018. And Stavros and uh, Dasha had a child together in 2021. And though Stavros has mostly been forgotten by us, I will say this. He lives in infamy thanks to Schitt's Creek, which you may remember at the beginning of this series, Alexis is dating a shipping air playboy by the name of Stavros, who... Uh, relocates to when Alexis relocates to Schitt's Creek, he's clubbing it up overseas. And she claims that he would have rescued her if Mary Kate Olsen wasn't hogging his private jet. So, whoever was writing that, Dan <laughs> Levy, probably you, great. We all appreciate it. I had totally forgotten that little tidbit from Schitt's Creek. Good times. Well, this was a really fun episode, but we must close our vintage tabloid magazine now on the penultimate episode of the season. Next week will be our finale, and we promise it will be very fun. And we'll also have a playlist. So you'll have lots of things to take up your time until we come back in the fall. But we're not over yet, baby. We still have a whole other episode, and we appreciate you for listening to this episode. And if you want to support the podcast, you can join our Patreon and you can also get additional content that way to stave off the darkness during the summer while we are on hiatus. Or you can support us emotionally by leaving a five-star review or forcing your friends to listen to us. You can find us on social media because we are obligated to maintain its presence. We are at the Old Millennials Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And you can follow me or Emily on Twitter. I am at Marg She Wrote. And I'm at Emily A. Beijing. And until next time, we say bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.